Welcome to another episode of the Psycho Podcast. This is a platform where we deconstruct taboos concerning all things human sexuality. In addition, we look at alternative forms of therapy and more ways to show love to ourselves. Today's episode, we're joined by the wonderful Nakema Ray, a certified somatic sexologist. We'll go into more what somatic sexology means, but we take a look at the importance of the mind-body connection, how we get disconnected in the first place, the importance of boundaries, and where our creativity and our expression stems from. We could all benefit, I think, from healing a mind-body connection and moving stored trauma through our bodies so that we can experience more pleasure. So let's all welcome Nakema Ray. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today, Nakema. Um, My pleasure. I'm really excited to hear about uh, really excited to hear about everything that has to do with somatic sexology. It's something that's new to me, and I'm sure it's new to a lot of listeners on here as well. Mm, yeah, thank you. My pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk and and share about what about something that gets me really passionate and excited as well. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's exactly what I want to hear about is kind of how you originally got into this kind of work. Um, but first, let's start off with um, what exactly somatic sexology um, is defining and then what brought you there and mm -hmm. why your passion lies within this field. Mm. Thank you. Well, somatic sexology is actually broken into two components, somatic being relating to or affecting the body and sexology is the study of human sexual behavior. So it's the merging of practices that, that bring those things together. So traditions such as yoga, meditation and tantra which all affect the body and mixed with, you know, cutting, cutting edge research in neuroscience and psychology and somatic learning theory. So somatic sexology develops embodiment in the body, which is deeper presence and awareness and understanding of what's going on in your body and in your sex. And the embodiment component that we bring in through somatic sexology um, sort of releases the mind-body restrictions that inhibit our pleasure and our experience and our growth and choice in the world and our and our aspects of play. So that's that's mm. the components of somatic sexology, I suppose. But what what brought me to this was years ago um, I was I was in different uh, sexuality communities, uh, one of them being the kink community here and having conversations with people and with women especially who were much older than me at the time saying things like, 
you know, I remember a conversation with one woman who was about 46 at the time and I was late 20s and she was saying how until she'd divorced her husband and, you know, got involved with someone who was involved in kink, she'd never experienced an orgasm before. And it really, it quite shocked me. I sort of thought, you know, I, at that point, I thought, I don't know everything about sex, but orgasms are fantastic. You know, how, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) So how, what can I do in the world that is going to help women experience this pleasure and this self-expression earlier than, you know, than their mid to late forties? How can we how can I bring this to the world? And so that people like at that point I was, how can we have more fun and pleasure in our lives? It was a really defining conversation for me. And over the course of my diving into that and what caused women and, and men as well to be, you know, in the experience of going through the motions and not experiencing true pleasure, I explored, you know, Tantra and breathwork and different body modalities until I came across somatic sexology, which really for me brought together the playfulness, the pleasure, the exploration, as well as the sexuality side. And it just really clicked that that was the direction that I could go in to help expand this in the world. So because of the kink world um i guess a a better way to put this is kink has a lot to do with the mind because you're not so much um just i mean for a lot of people and for myself included i actually separate um sex the act of penetration Mm -hmm. and um kink because I actually find a lot more pleasure in that kind of play. I'm engaging with their mind instead of just uh, penetration, which can be so boring to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I find it really interesting that you you, uh, used that as a kind of an awakening to this this path of yours. Mm -hmm. Um, So, To get this straight, you use the mind-body connection to move trauma through the body. So can you tell us what kind of trauma might lead someone to reach out for this kind of help? Like why, like how does trauma get stored in the body? Mm. Because it's kind of a new concept for a lot of people. myself included. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So when we when we speak of trauma, it can be quite wide ranging and trauma, you know, can be um, for some people, something that's traumatic can be, you know, a really deep experience of assault um, or violation and things like that. Or for someone else, their roof of trauma might be their parents' separation and 
it's not to it's not to place one as more traumatic than the other but in each person's experience mm. our our roof of our trauma experience is different so it can be quite wide ranging when i when i use the word trauma um but working mm. with the somatic concepts everything is stored in our body in in a different place for different people uh, and in a different way and when we when we don't include the body in dealing with trauma we kind of cut off a large part of ourselves our our brain is so responsible for you know thinking and processing trauma we have this whole other part of our vessel that's really crucial to include in that processing when we can bring in the body and use our somatic our somatic tools our our movement our touch you know we can really get in touch with the sensations um which are the level under the emotions that the trauma causes and when we dive into those uh, sensations we're able to unlock the deeper layers and and be with them and sometimes move them in a really uh, supportive and helpful way that provides a comfort isn't quite the right word but it provides a safe space to process that trauma aside from just thinking it or trying to think our way through it it gives us some pillars of separation to break it down Mm. it's really interesting because for someone like myself who's never experienced really identifying trauma stored in my body Mm. i mean i can think back to a time when i've cried really hard and maybe like my shoulder started hurting or something like that Mm. but if i wanted to you know move that through the body how would i go about doing something like that Mm. we work with when we talk about moving it through the body we work with some really core somatic tools which are breath sound movement touch and placement of awareness so using that as an a specific example if we were looking at you know that trauma for you at that time and and whether it was something traumatic or something really upsetting that has stayed with you um you know we dive into that emotion look at where it lands in your body so in that point it would be your shoulder and then we'd really start a communication with the body to see what it needs at that point and it might be that touch helps support that sensation or it might be that movement or breath helps support that sensation and when we're able to take our take our connection of all of our thought of that experience and that upset out and pop it to the side and be with that sensation just in and of itself, we're able to actually process and move through that sensation there so that next time that that situation occurs, we don't have that that memory sitting in our body and sitting in our shoulder that's sitting there anchoring and fueling the emotion. So 
what we're able to do is uh-huh. we can talk through something many times and then next time we get into that situation we might find ourselves having the same response because we haven't worked on the body component of it and our body automatically goes into that that survival mode or that protection mode and this is what helped us through last time whether it's that Mm. pain or whether it's whatever that response is so when we sit with the body and that response and that sensation that allows us to begin to have a conversation that can change our experience next time and then when we're in the situation again we've actually worked with the head and the body so we're able to not just have that sitting there as a default response when we think we can talk our way through it and our body is not congruent with that it's going hang on i'm i'm going to have this other response because i know that that worked or that's what's stored in me and we can actually be mm. congruent with what our thoughts and our process of our thinking is in that situation and our body can be there with us as well uh okay so we're giving our our body a way to well we're actually yeah we're giving our body a language right so we're we're connecting the mind and the body together so that they're speaking so that when we walk into that situation or we feel that emotion again we it's it's translated in a way that makes more sense mm. to us yep absolutely and and we understand what's underneath it so when if our body does have a particular response we can address it as a sensation rather than potentially a panic or a fear or a shame you know and where where we might have previously Uh, got caught in those things we can recognize actually i know this sensation i know where it's come from and why it's here so I'm going to be really present with that situation, that sensation in this situation and allow my body to express itself that way without attaching the stories that used to be attached to that as well. So that's another aspect of it. That's interesting. So that would kind of, I mean, the first thing I think of in that response is uh, someone who might struggle with panic attacks. Um. I am assuming that you work with people who do struggle with panic attacks and kind of how that, like, how does the work that you do with them, what kind of progress do you see in someone who might be struggling with panic attacks? Mm, Good question. So yes, I do work with people with various forms of anxiety um, up to panic attacks. And I actually had a client who I was working with here one day uh, in a one-on-one session who, as we, as we started some, some signals of a panic attack come up for them, an anxiety attack, and they began to slip into that in their body in that moment with me here. And it was really interesting that we were able to break that down really, um, mindfully and bring bring the focus and the body to the present moment instead of the anxiety state Mm. break it down to the sensations in that particular client we used breath work um, 
to create, you know, mindfulness, to create placement of awareness and to bring the sense into the real moment uh, and, and the focus into the real moment because uh, anxiety, panic attacks, trauma have have an ability to place us in another in another time, you know, when something that originally triggered it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bringing into the present state was really important with that particular client. We were able to use breath to bring them to a regulated and safe space and create that safety and mindfulness in their mm-hmm. body so that one, we didn't uh, we didn't have them slip fully into uh, the panic attack, but two, we then created an experience in the body of being able to find safety in that moment, as opposed to if you, mm-hmm. you know, um, an anxiety or a panic can get really stuck in the head. It can circle back on itself and it can snowball and just become bigger and bigger. But now we've created a new experience and new neural pathways that in that moment we have an right. experience of safety. So we get to then create that experience, create that neural pathway and an opportunity to then strengthen that neural pathway so that next time, or if it happens again, we have another option in our body. Okay, that makes sense. You're rewiring the brain and associating different sensations with the trauma, right? that occurred in the past yeah bringing it to the present telling them they're safe yeah yeah oh that's really cool i love that um so i know that i said you know started with um a label somatic sexology but it sounds like you bring in a lot of clients that not only struggle in their sexuality but also in their their daily lives so um Let's, um, I would like to kind of hear about some, like a situation that, that would go, um, would fall into both of those categories. So maybe someone had a sexual trauma versus someone who just has a, um, a social anxiety or something like that. Mm. Um, somatic sexology is more of like an umbrella term. Yeah. Yeah. So because we're working with components of, you know, neurobiology and psychology and and recreating new pathways in the body, we have the opportunity to to affect a whole spectrum of, you know, people's lives and experiences, not just the sexuality side. However, they can work they can work in really well together and feed one another either for you know for a less positive or more positive outcome depending on where you're you know how you've dealt with things in your life so an example that comes to mind is a client that was quite not anxious but quite awkward in situations to do originally we discussed that it was awkwardness in situations to do with sexuality so relating to the opposite sex and 
initiating conversations or initiating things that were physical and just being confident in a dating and relating sense. So that was, that was how the client and I come into contact. When we reached out into the wider scope, it was something that actually affected them you know, when interacting with their boss at work or if they were around a group of friends and a particular discussion come up, they felt that awkwardness and that lack of confidence to express themselves. So by working on, you know, by using a variety of these tools and creating, you know, a sense of comfortability and confidence you know, that was originally intended for a, a dating or relating aspect of their life, they had an outcome in the other areas of their life where they also experienced similar things. And it just helped, although we were aiming at one part initially, it was something that had a wide effect on on their life and their social situations as a whole. Mm. Mm. That reminds me of why I dove into the field of um, not only psychology, but sexuality, because when I, just like you, um, I kind of found this uh, passion of mine through kink. And um, by stepping into my sexuality, I saw improvement in my personal, professional, in my even in my academic life, um, which kind of brings me back to um, Tantra, which uh, we should kind of explain just a brief, you know, little tidbit about what that is, because the Kundalini that is manipulated during Tantra. Um, is believed to be their life source, right? And I guess that's kind of this this conversation reminds me that you're kind of playing with that um, aspect of a person is their 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 driving force, which kind of stems from our sexuality mm. in a way. Um, do you have an opinion on that? Mm. <laughs> I have my opinion on that and there's there's a few aspects of of tantra which I won't dive into you know classic versus modern and and things like that but there is there is a core which is that you know this sexual energy this sexual expression allows us to be in deeper experience of our life force energy our creativity, our, you know, our expression and exuberance can be driven from tapping into, into this force, into this energy, which is our sexuality and our creativity and our expression. And like you said, Kundalini is a concept of uh, whether people have heard of it or not, you know, the snake that lives at the, mm. the base of our spine, which is our sexuality center and you know as we awaken that we awaken our power and our life force energy and we're able to tap into that higher connection of 
whatever each person's individual experience of spirituality is can be quite linked into into that expression coming through sexual energy mm-hmm. so it's definitely for me they're definitely well intertwined our life force energy and our sexuality and our expression and it doesn't have to be that it's not the same for every person you know how one person expresses their sexuality and their creativity might be different to the next person but it's the ability to tap into this flow and this life force and have the comfortability that that expression and that power brings through all aspects of our life not just our ability to be in our sexuality mm-hmm. true yeah it's really a dynamic concept Very. um and it is not you know the same for everyone but i definitely found my power and my expression and creativity um through stepping into that really vulnerable side of myself Mm. and expressing it and being honest with myself. Um, So in American culture, uh, we, you know, this isn't really something that is mm, lay knowledge. And we, I mean, even our society is driven kind of by religious, beliefs, Mm -hmm. specifically Christianity and the, you know, sexuality has been so suppressed here and in in other parts of the world, but specifically, um, there is a huge disconnect with, you know, who we are and how, and then like how we feel, you know, like what we're expressing to the world, but actually how we're really feeling. So I'm curious to know what your um, hypothesis or theory would be on how the mind and the body get disconnected in the first place. And how can we, you know, how can someone who doesn't have access to a somatic therapist start getting back to making that mind-body connection again? Mm. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to answer that in two parts so I think a lot of the disconnect has been driven it's not a new thing it's come through you know hundreds of years in society that's been driven by industry and religion and things that really require us to be head focused and you know really thought provoking and achievement focused. We're always looking for the next innovation and the next way to best make a building stronger and the next best way to make our crops grow, uh, you know, and and turn out more seeds and, and things like that. So we've been really driven as a society in that achievement-focused, industry-focused space and layered that with religion, which has created, you know, created stories around um, sexuality and, you know, lust is a sin, uh, so our bodies are shameful and, Mm. 
you know, this is this is a bit of a blanket statement about religion. I, I understand that that's not every aspect of it. But from a society that's really created on industry and religion, it's really rewarded, you know, not expressing our sexuality on the religious side and being focused in our head on an industry side. So our connection to our body has really been mm. forgotten or left behind. Um, whereas, you know, if we, if we look back into um, times before that or even pagan times, you know, it was really about connecting with the earth and expressing through dance and, and things like that. So it's not just a, a symptom of current society. It's been built, this disconnect has been building for a long time. Um, so I could I could dive into that quite deeply yeah. for a long time, but I'll leave it at that. And and as for the second part of your question, how do we begin to bridge that, or how do we begin to reconnect the mind body? I think it's really dedicated, small, mindful steps of each individual. I think the more that each each individual can begin to create this conversation with themselves is where the connection will become more important in a wider society. But having self-compassion is a huge first step in that mm. and recognising that, you know, beating ourselves up for feeling disconnected is not the right way to go and there's a lot of you know, self-love promotion and sometimes we just don't feel like we can love ourselves. So having compassion for ourselves and recognising that we're still a human, having a human experience in in that moment of perhaps not loving ourselves and having compassion for that is a really powerful step to starting that thought process and that conversation. And then from there we start the steps of, connecting through breath and taking small mindful moments we mm -hmm. begin to allow our body to talk to us instead of um you know in this disconnect our body is a tool to get us from a to b and have us function to get to work and through the day whereas we begin to connect with small steps of mindful breath we begin to allow our body to speak to us again and we begin to connect in with what it might need and the wisdom that it holds. And I think mm -hmm. it's just those little small steps are the key. You know, we can't expect to go from nothing to walking into, you know, a seven-day tantra retreat. And some people do, that's fine. But that's a big jump. So taking small steps of where we can begin to have a conversation with our body and allow it to speak to us is where we begin to bridge that disconnect, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, I mean, the first thing I think of in bridging that gap is meditation. And meditation feels so refreshing on the mind and the body, but it is hard. Um, so, I mean, that's why I personally go for more guided meditations because it gives me a like focus. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it like, you know, they're like, relax your eyes. I heard that actually not heard, but know that relax, focusing on relaxing your eyes and your eyelids will immediately help your brain to relax, which I found very effective. And that's, I guess what that would be a really good way to just it's small step bridge that gap of the mind body, relax your eyes to relax your brain. I did some research on somatic sex education Mm -hmm. and I found some really unique um, tools that are taught in the program and I want to know more about them on from your perspective Mm -hmm. in regards to I'm gonna gonna list a few right here but I want to actually start with um genital um or yoni mapping or genital mapping and or body mapping mind mapping like what does that entail and why is it used in in your practice Mm, yeah amazing i love talking about this so thank you with the sexological bodywork side of my education and my qualifications Mapping is a really beautiful way that we can begin to bring awareness to different parts of our body. And I'll talk to yoni mapping specifically. This We obviously can map any part of the body uh, or the body as a whole. But when we, when we talk uh, yoni mapping, it's about using placement of awareness and touch on our on our genitals whether you know whatever you're comfortable to call that whether it's a yoni or a pussy or genitals um, we take some time to bring our awareness from our mind into that part of our body and create a map of I guess if you think of a you know a road map there's all these little points of interest on there and we're doing that with your body and with your yoni so we're creating points we go from side to side and up and down with different forms of touch to create a map of what feels good what might have no sensation at all so some numbness or you know perhaps what feels painful or even, you know, that straight pressure might feel good or some tapping or rubbing might feel good. And we begin to create this, this roadmap of our genitals, both external and internal, that says, cool, I have the capability to create pleasure through this sort of touch in this spot. And in this other spot here, I can create pleasure through this other type of touch or I actually have a sensation of numbness in this area and that gives me an opportunity to expand and grow my pleasure and create new neural pathways in that area so that I can then grow my capacity for sensation. What we often find is Um, I'll talk to women or or yoni owners at the moment, you know, a lot of emotion and stress can be stored in that area of our body. So as we go through and create this map, 
we're able to uncover things that we might have stored in our body and unlock them. Like we mentioned with the shoulder before, you know, that 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 gives us an opportunity to work through that emotion. Same thing happens in our genitals and we might find that when we have touch or pressure or awareness in a certain area, it cre- it brings up a certain emotion and that allows us an opportunity to unlock that in our body so that next time we're with a lover and they touch that spot, it's not going to necessarily trigger that emotional response from us because we've been able to unlock and work through that. Or it might even just give us an awareness that, okay, cool, in this particular part of my body, I know that I hold some shame or some upset or something like that and and that's something that I want to work through so until I'm comfortable with it I'm not going to have my lover touch that part of me in that way so it begins to give us a real in-depth map literally map of our genitals and the both the pleasure capacity but also the emotional capacity of what is stored there and how to work through it. It's it's a really beautiful process to work through whether people do it themselves or work through it with a, a professional such as myself and just watching what unfolds and what the, the body and the yoni is able to tell us by going through a somewhat methodical process of allowing it to speak to us and creating the map yeah it's it's a really it's a really beautiful experience to have with people yeah it sounds really cool um you really stand out as a therapist with that kind of education because and that awareness um because that's not something that you know a lot of um, sexologists or therapists are engaging in. Um, So, and I know personally, like, I think it would be so interesting because when you mentioned shame, I know that there are certain parts of my, you know, yoni that feel great. And then maybe you turn to the left a little bit and there can be a little bit of shame attached to that area, but you have to be so in tune with how you're feeling when you touch that part of your body it's uh you know this isn't um this definitely isn't for uh for everyone um but i can imagine that it would be incredibly rewarding um so that kind of goes along the lines of genital de-armoring is that something that you know about and practice as well Mm. yeah so that's a it's a beautiful process which can can look quite similar to the the genital mapping or the yoni mapping but for for a whole host of different reasons um people you know, they they have a lot of either shame or um, emotional pain stored in their genitals and it can often manifest as physical pain or there can be 
um, scarring and, and actual scar tissue there from either from traumatic experiences or, you know, sometimes birth, whether it is a traumatic experience or not, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of physical manipulation that happens to someone when they go through a birth process. So that can leave both emotional mm. and physical scarring in that area. And de-armoring allows us to, to begin to, to begin to soften that, not for, and if I'm talking for, you know, if, uh, female-bodied person not for the purpose of achieving penetration we're not looking at softening it for that goal specifically but de-armoring to allow allow those blocks to move through our body and our psyche and mm-hmm. begin to create trust begin to create uh, safety to be vulnerable and this de-armoring process can either, you know, can either be a self-touch or a touch from a body worker to really help um, get into gently and lovingly get into, you know, where those blocks are and how we can how we can provide love and comfort and understanding to our body so that it begins to it literally de-armoring is letting those shields come down whether that's you know like I said emotional or physical scars we just it's a very gentle loving process that allows that to happen Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot more trauma is stored in our genital area than we want to believe and I'm wondering if there is a theory around that Mm. for for me um there's definitely because it's such a a powerful center of our body and our expression which um you know taps us into our creativity our life force energy our power like we touched on with the the tantra and kundalini discussion before you know when we have a part of our body that is so connected to all of those components of our life and then conversely on the other side is you know so um so covered in in shame and uh judgment it's really easy for those that shame and that judgment to go to that power center where where it's driven from so i think I believe, mm. you know, that that's why perhaps disproportionately that our, our genitals, our sex centre and our reproductive organs really store more of that uh, trauma and that baggage and that emotional toll in that area of our body because whether it's conscious or not, they really are the subject of so much of that shame and trauma uh, in our lives. Yeah, I bet you see some profound uh, transformations in people when they become attuned to their trauma that is stored down there. And, you know, I'm kind of curious to just hear your 
um, emotion behind that, like what it feels like to see one of your clients and what it looks like to see one of your clients go from how, when they first see you to how they leave you and, and what kind of changes you see in their life. Mm. It's absolutely like heart opening, pride, love, just amazement. And, and I really feel honored when I get to work with people. I see, I see people, you know, my, my clients are really courageous. They're, they're people who are, are really brave to be stepping into this work. And sometimes we don't, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So we don't know exactly what we're going to uncover or what, you know, what trauma or shame or emotions might be stored in there. And I just feel really honoured that I get to watch people be brave enough to step into that space and go exploring and go learning. And I get to support and facilitate and help them grow into into that in their journey. It, it gosh, it nearly makes me tear up as I'm talking about it. Me too. But it's a really special place. <laughs> you know, you, you have someone who who might have just been feeling a little bit shy or disconnected. And then we get to go through this beautiful process of deepening their connection to their body. And not only through that, they get in touch with their sexuality, they get in touch with their creativity. You know, you have people who think, oh, I'd just like to be a little more confident in the bedroom. And then after, you know, working through a, a package with me for a set amount of time, they're out there going, my God, I've I've found this new passion in my life. I'm going to go and create a business or I'm going to, I, I've mm. gone for this at work or I've, I've got the relationship of my dreams now and it just, it's, it, I don't have words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand. I mean, and, and, and it just full circle back to when I stepped into my sexuality. It's the only thing I can really relate it to is that it really opened up my world um, so it brings, you know, my heart joy to hear that someone like you and then everyone in your, in the, um, somatic sexology, uh, community is doing this kind of work. Um, because for so long it's been that mind body connection has just been suppressed and shamed and, um, kind of a lot of education has been um hidden from us when it comes mm. to that and yeah it just brings me yeah it brings me a lot of joy to hear where does your um stance and like how important do you feel boundaries are and is this something that is a you know key component to your practice is teaching your clients how to set boundaries mm. Boundaries is a huge thing for me and, you know, I, I'm really passionate about it and also bringing an awareness of boundaries to clients and people that I work with. I don't feel that it's something we're really taught, you know, from a young age, we, we don't necessarily have the, 
body autonomy that comes with boundaries and it's cool give your and not to diss grandparents but you know you're told as a kid go give your grandparent a hug and or you know go give your uncle a hug and things like that or you know say hello to your mum's friend who who might be perfectly lovely but as a long young child you're it's a big imposing figure and you're told just say hello to them so we we don't really have this understanding of boundaries from a young age because we're taught that you know we placate people and we people please and um coming back around to a point where we have this conversation with our body and we understand what on a really basic level yes and then conversely no feel like for us Mm -hmm. being able to understand you know what we really want in both in each moment and then either in a relationship or in our life and creating boundaries from knowing that sense in our body is a really powerful Mm -hmm. tool that I think is underrated and also not taught to, well, it's not taught at all. People sort of become aware of it later in life, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not taught and it's something that I feel is really crucial, um, you know, and it, it comes, it, it works into not just consensual sex or consent in any t- sort of scene and, and you know, in the kink community there's a much deeper understanding of consent than I find, often find in general society. But having to have those discussions on boundaries really opens up an understanding of, of where to begin that exploration and uh, so many of us are people pleasers that we have trouble just saying no mm-hmm. to a cup of coffee when it's offered to us you know and beginning this teaching and this understanding um, really really deepens our understanding of what's really important to us and it helps to build trust you know if I if I if something's a no for me and I know it's a no in my body and then I do it anyway, then I'm creating distrust with myself. Whereas mm. if I really understand what that no is in my body, and it might just be, no, I don't want that cup of coffee, thank you. But it might just be, you know, really understanding that no and then I go, no, thank you, no cup of coffee. And then my body's like, oh, wow, you listened to me. I can trust you. You know, it's it's this whole uh, this whole expanded version of, of getting to know yourself. And then next time you and your body have this deeper understanding of trust, you're able to express your boundaries and feel safer in them. And it snowballs into uh, into a positive uh, snowball of self-trust, self-confidence, self-expression, um, just from, from knowing and understanding boundaries as a concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead of feeling bad about saying no, the more you listen to your body, the better it feels to say no. And then, you know, the person that you might be, you know, just setting that boundary with, um, hopefully 
it kind of makes an impact on them too, because it's not like you're creating a hostile environment, you know, you're just listening to yourself saying, no, thank you. And, um, creating that important trust between your mind and your body, which I would like to know about that, that importance of trusting your body and trusting yourself because I have felt that so many times when I say, when I take that cup of coffee and I didn't want it, and then I just feel so bad, what kind of repercussions does that cause when we don't listen to our body? Mm. This is, I, I believe it's part of the disconnect that we, we then foster because we, we stop communicating with our body and we don't, it doesn't trust that we will listen to it and you know then we invite in uh, on on different levels you know we can invite in different illness and things like that because we're not paying attention to our body we're disconnected mm. from it we don't trust the signals that it's giving us and you know if you if you have a broken ankle and you ignore the pain signal and you just keep walking on it every day and every day and every day it's never going to heal, right? And if you if you have a broken ankle and you get that pain signal and you go, okay, body, I'm listening to you. I'm going to, you know, let you rest and heal. That's an extreme example of yes or no to a cup of coffee. But we create this, you know, we create a, a ongoing broken ankle by continuing to say yes to the cup of coffee. And we create something in our body that then can't, doesn't have the opportunity to heal. Um, it's mm. it's an extreme example, but when we when we aren't allowing our body to talk to us, and when we're not listening to it, we create that disconnect. We create that distrust. You know, we really we really tune out from our sense of self and our sense of intuition and our sovereignty and we allow other people to become the conductors in our lives because we've put what what we want what we feel to the side to please someone else and you know in the end we're not really allowing them to be the best versions of themselves either we're not giving them an opportunity to meet us and honor us and respect us if we're not expressing mm. that so it works both for us and the people that we interact with it yeah it it just it, you can snowball it either way into the disconnect or into mm -hmm. the connection mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense yeah well this was really eye-opening um i will have you uh follow me up with maybe some resources that our listeners can um, read about on somatic sexology and just different, you know, mm -hmm. different methods to create small steps to, you know, create that mind body connection again. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for joining today. Um, if there's anything else that you just want to leave with our listeners, feel free. If not, you know, mm, thank you for having me. It's a I could talk about this for hours on end. It's something that I really love and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come and 
be a part of this conversation. Um, I just really invite your listeners to get curious about how they can begin to have a conversation with their body and, you know, don't think that you have to be a, a guru straight up. Sometimes people don't even feel like they can take a deep breath, but being aware of your breath at all is a good step. So just feel like, just get curious enough to start um, is, is my biggest tip. Get curious enough to start and have that self-compassion for yourself. Um, I definitely have mm. a couple of uh, really beautiful books that I can recommend and I often put up, you know, little, little tips on how to begin these connections um, on my socials, which um, you'll have as well. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find you? And I will be listing that in the podcast description as well. Yeah, thank you. So on Instagram, I am embodied.sexuality and on Facebook, Nakima Ray. And also my email is nakima.ray at gmail.com. So I really invite people to reach out and connect with me or jump on and have a look at the few little videos. But I'm always, you know, I'm always happy to answer questions and often find your question will be something that other people have. So while I don't have to share your name, it gives me an opportunity to answer that for, for everyone who's thinking the same thing. So definitely reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. I, I love to hear from people and connect. Well, thank you so much, Nakema. I, I look forward to seeing your practice progress and the field as well progress. Yeah, thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Nakema Ray. I know I did. There's a lot of information about the importance of the mind and body connection. I'm going to post all of her socials in the podcast description, as well as some resources for our listeners to reach on to.